from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Sorry, I was just finishing my morning coffee. Thanks for tuning in. There is perhaps nothing more ubiquitous in American society than coffee. We are addicted to it. According to 2021 data from the National Coffee Association, Americans drink about 646 million cups of coffee every day. And that's about 236 billion cups every year. It's the second biggest commodity on planet Earth, right behind another black liquid, oil, which doesn't taste nearly as good with breakfast. If you are an avid coffee drinker like me, you probably have developed a sense of what a really good cup of coffee tastes like. And once you've had really good coffee, it is tough to go back to that stale, watery, or just burnt tasting stuff. And that is precisely the problem that two Sullivan County second homeowners ran into a few years back. We couldn't find a really good cup of coffee in the area. We, we were in this area with these amazing organic farms, amazing restaurants with incredible chefs who have uh, come up from the city and, and chosen to open their doors in, in Sullivan County. And uh, we just, we couldn't find a good cup of coffee. That's Christine Petrick, the co-owner and head roaster at Java Love Coffee, as well as a recovering journalist. Today on this Close to Home business feature, we're talking about all things Java Love and love of Java. Christine and her partner, clinical psychologist Jody Dawson, are celebrating their 10th anniversary this year since starting Java Love in 400 square feet of space in Cunyunga Lake, in 2011. Today, they have four brick-and-mortar shops in the tri-state area, and they're supplying freshly roasted coffee beans not just throughout the Hudson Valley, but all over the Northeast, to hundreds of thousands of Java lovers. But I think Christine tells the story much better than I can. We call ourselves accidental entrepreneurs because (laughs) we did not, we didn't go into starting Java Love thinking it would be successful. So probably not the best business plan uh, to start a business and go, oh, it won't be successful. Uh, So, and uh, our mission was really to become part of the economic development in the area. I mean, 10 Mm. years ago, Sullivan County and, and, and really our area, Bethel, Jeffersonville, um, this, the, the whole area, Calicoon, it was not what it is today. And, and we saw an opportunity to work with some different organizations to train, to hire long-term unemployed people. And that kind of became our, our, our passion. Mm-hmm. And coffee is just the vehicle for how we've, we've done that. So where did your interest in coffee roasting 
come from? It, it doesn't sound like you've always been like, this is what I want to do in my life. No, uh, Jody is a, uh, is a clinical psychologist. She's a, a doctor. And uh, I am, as I joke, I'm a recovering journalist. I, uh, <laughs> I was a journalist for 24 years. And, and we, we started Java Love uh, when we both were full-time in our other careers. Wow. And so we, uh, we, we kind of how it started out was we wanted to open kind of a market to work with local artisans, uh, farmers, and we were sourcing. Jody was trying to find a local organic coffee roasting company and had reached out uh, to what at that time was Hudson Valley Coffee Roasters. And they said they weren't, they weren't accepting any more wholesale clients. Um, and they were actually looking to sell their company. So we were working with a couple uh, uh, consultants who said, buy it. We were like, buy a coffee roasting company? Why? <laughs> <laughs> and they, they were like, well, it's, it's niche. If you're going to do something, do one thing and do it really well. So they said, you know, put in the contract that when you buy the company, they have to train you. So I'm a, besides being a horribly curious person and surviving, you know, being a journalist for 24 years, I am also a certified sommelier of all things. So I took my wine brain and easily turned it into a coffee brain and uh, started roasting coffee. We, we moved the roaster uh, into the Beekman Mill building, the historic Beekman Mill building on Kanyanga Lake. Uh, they, they said it was 600 square feet. I'm thinking it was closer to 400 square feet. <laughs> uh, and so we had the roaster uh, right there in the shop. And we started with a, a couple local wholesale customers. Uh, we started with maybe 10 online customers. And by the end of the first summer, uh, we were just roasting on the weekends. You know, I'd, I'd go up maybe like one night a week and roast and then we'd roast on the weekends and we'd be open and when we knew we had something different or something verging on successful was when customers second homeowners would go to head back to the city and sunday afternoon they'd stop by and buy a couple bags of coffee huh. and we're like uh don't you live in brooklyn they're like yeah but there's something different about your coffee and i'm like man, you can't swing a cat in Brooklyn without hitting a coffee roaster. So <laughs> I don't know what we're doing, but we're doing something right. And, um, and then it just, it kept growing. And like I said, you know, we, we are accidental entrepreneurs. And so that's how we got into it. So Jody really started running the business side of it. I continue to focus on the roasting um, and, now, 10 years later, we, uh, we have four brick and mortar locations, uh, thank God, thriving online uh, store. And mm. a, I think we're up to about 60 wholesale accounts. And, wow. uh, and, a, lot of, and a lot of those uh, accounts uh, are people in, in the area here that we have worked with 
really since either our beginning or their beginning or mm. many of them we started around the same time and uh and it's such a blessing to have have those local chefs and chefs and restaurants and and little shops still working with us so in terms of having four different locations now at what point did you and Jody say you know this is actually going surprisingly well <laughs> you know where we feel confident enough that we're going to go and try and do this elsewhere because that that seems like it takes a, a serious level of confidence in in your product and your business either a serious level of confidence or a total lack of, <laughs> of reality um, and it may have been a balance of the two so hmm. um we we moved in, in 2013, so we, we were on Kanyanga Lake for two years, and uh, and we were growing fast enough that we knew we needed a, lar- a larger location, uh, mainly for production. So for the roasting and the bagging and everything. And we were blessed enough that um, uh, Alan and Ida, who owned uh, Front Porch, which was Front Porch Restaurant for 18 years. Uh, we worked with them and we took over that building in 2013. And again, they they worked with us and and uh, it was a it was just a blessing to to have them to partner with to get us into that location. And so um, we opened there July 4th weekend 2013, and eight weeks later we opened our first location in Montclair, New Jersey. Wow. I do not recommend opening two locations within eight weeks of one another, but we did it. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we, we knew we wanted to open a, a location near, we, we, we live in Montclair um, and had a second home in, in Bethel. Um, and also, if you're thinking about starting your own business, don't open it where you have a vacation home because then that vacation home isn't a vacation any longer. Right. Um, but <laughs> um, but it worked, you know, it worked out. So so we opened our first location in Montclair, and uh, so once we had our new Bethel location and this new Montclair location, so we're in our at that time, our second year, two and a half years into the business. And, and Jody said, we, we were having a conversation about how do we know, how do we know when we're done? How do we know when our business is no longer growing or viable? And Jody's very, you know, being a doctor and, and a psychologist, she's very analytical. Like everything lines up and mm. it's a long thought process. And I am much more, let's just trust. And she, you know, so so somehow we balance each other out there, which is very good. And I said, when she said, how do we know when we're done? I said, when we come to a door and it doesn't open. And we can't keep stepping forward. And we'll know it. We'll, we'll know what that is. I believe that. And we haven't hit that yet. We have, mm. we have continued to open 
you know, we, we opened our Suffern New York location uh, in November 2019. So right before uh, we were really getting firing on all pistons there, right before COVID hit. But we have remained open and, and running and, and thriving, if you will, even through the, the pandemic. And um, again, we were lucky to have the, the wholesale partners we have. And we have an amazing team of, of people who work with us. You know, I've been into the, the Bethel location of Java Love many a time to get my caffeine fix. And I always notice and enjoy the vibe in there. And thinking about it now, what's the deal with the vibe of coffee shops? Why, why is the atmosphere of coffee shops such a big deal? And it doesn't matter whether you're going to one of the you know tens of thousands of Starbucks locations or your local Java love or anything in between. What's the deal with coffee shop atmosphere? That's a, that's a great question. Um, and, and it's so funny you use the word vibe because <laughs> that is in all of our locations. It's so funny because people, instead of referring to how the shop looks or feels, everybody's like, what? You guys have such, like, it's the Java love vibe. And, uh, <laughs> and so I think we, we do have a, a different vibe than maybe some other coffee shops, but what it is, and, and you mentioned Starbucks and uh, you know, without Starbucks, none of us little folks would be here, honestly. They, really? You know, oh yeah. I mean, Starbucks, I mean, as, as much as people, you know, kind of give them, give them grief, uh, Starbucks uh, introduced the, the modern coffee shop to the United States. And, and that was absolutely, you know, Schultz did when, when, when he came back, he came back from a trip, um, I believe from Italy and had that intimate coffee shop experience. Mm. And that's what he wanted to do with Starbucks was create that coffee house place. And, and, um, he referred to it as like a third living space. So people have their home, people have their work, and then there is this place where you you gather, and it's a it's a place of community. And the you know so coffee really is it's about community, and so it's where you go in, and and you maybe just going in to get your your little caffeine kick. But in a coffee shop, it's about that social exchange and, uh, and, and coming together over a cup of coffee or over a cup of tea. That's where community really is. And, and I think for us, that's what we've always really worked hard to create is a place where everyone feels welcome and you don't have to come up and know what the a flat white is or a cortado or a, if if like i just want a plain cup of coffee we got you covered um if you want something higher end or trendy we got we got that too but the main focus is to to just be a place where people can can gather and that really is that vibe i think you're talking about of coffee shops. It's a place mm. 
outside of your home and outside of work together. What makes a good cup of coffee and what's the right bean? <laughs> uh, the right bean is whatever bean you love. So earlier I mentioned I'm a, I'm a certified sommelier. So mm -hmm. there are actually, when people think about wine, they, they think about all these, you know, kind of, oh, it, you know, it's sparkling with touches of pear. Hints of and elderberry. And, and you're like... <laughs> It's wine. What? So <laughs> coffee actually has almost three times the amount of flavor profiles than wine does. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, it, it is very complex. It has to do with uh, where, where the coffee was grown, uh, the type of soil, the type of sun it gets, the you know other plants around it, the the varietal of bean. So there are so many uh, variables that 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 come into first the type of bean and what it's going to taste like, and then how we roast those particular beans. What we do is we really work to highlight those natural tones and qualities of each bean. Um, so Central and South American beans are naturally very sweet. Um, so we roast those kind of to a medium level where those sugars and those natural sweetness and tones come out in, in those beans. We're a small batch roaster. So we roast 25 pounds of beans at a time mm. and it's all done by hand. We don't have any, uh, we, we, we do track our roast on, on a roasting system. So we can actually just for quality control, we can see the roast and, and make sure that every time we're roasting a Columbia bean, uh, that, that profile is the same. So when you buy a cup of Columbia coffee from us tomorrow, and then you come back three months later, it should taste like the same coffee. So the bean, the, the, the profile or what you want from a, a coffee um, is really personal, but, but what makes good coffee is that it's freshly roasted and it's stored correctly once it's roasted. So it's, it's put in a bag that has a, a air valve um, coffee once it's roasted out gases. So it, it, it lets out CO2. Mm. So if you notice on a coffee bag, you have like a little, looks like a little belly button. It's a little button on the bag. 
that actually lets that CO2 gas out. If that's not there, you just have a bag of beans just gassing itself and it's not going to taste too good. Mm. Um, so you want fresh roasted beans stored well, you know, fresh roasted coffee will last up to two months in a, a good bag or a good little tin, whatever you have it in. Um, and that's it. And it's all, it's your personal taste. Do you guys get beans from all over the world? Do you mm -hmm. kind of preference certain areas over others? And, you know, if you're going to make yourself a cup of coffee, you know, where do you want your beans to be from? So uh, to answer the first part, yes, we, we work with uh, two coffee importers uh, and we get beans from all over every major growing region. So uh, the Americas, Asia, uh, Africa, uh, Sumatra. So, so every major growing region, we have a kind of a staple of about 15 beans that we have year round. And so those are in all of our, you know, they're in, in certain blends and we just, so we kind of keep a good stable of, of uh, all the beans. So if, if you like um, uh, Sumatra, you pretty much know we're always going to have it. And, um, and so we do, we purchase because coffee is a, a, a crop uh, just like um, wheat, Hey, watermelons, what, it, you know, it, it, it's a crop. So it has, it, it has seasons. And so uh, there are times of the year when you simply, if you haven't purchased it in advance, you cannot get certain coffees from Ethiopia, certain coffees from Indonesia. So we, we kind of purchase in advance those coffees, but then there are, specialty coffees like micro lots or, or specialty farms that we get every year and we wait for literally wait for that season every year because many of these farms or co-ops we, we work with uh, have a hundred bags for the year. And so if we want to support them and these, these are farms um, example for our 10th anniversary we are launching a women's producers line. So mm. we have four coffees that we're bringing in um, and we were able to get two bags of beans from each farm or co-op. So those are from four different regions. So Honduras, Peru, Mexico, and El Salvador. And they're amazing stories of, of these women's, uh, either women farmers or women co-ops that they have, you know, taken parts of their family farms and, and they're growing maybe on 20 acres. They're growing organic micro lot coffee that within their second or third year is out ranking any of their family coffees. Wow. And so they're getting, we're paying a premium and it's going directly back to them. That's, that is something that's really important to us is that we know 
where all of our coffees come from. We know the farms. We know how the farmers are treated. We know how the land is treated. So that also adds to that quality and that consistency. Um, while it's a you know while coffee is a crop, and every harvest there may be some little differences based on was it a heavier rain season? Was it a drier season? So there will be little things, but the coffee for the most part should maintain its, its quality, a high standard. And so if, if I, I'm trying to think what my, what my favorite cup is. At home, we, we tend to have either our good morning brew, which mm. is a, a great, um, it's a three bean, just, I, so I call it the non-offending coffee. And Jody's, <laughs> and Jody's like, that I used to be a marketing person. She's like, that's the worst marketing phrase I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, what I mean is it's like a coffee for everybody. Like no one will, will taste the cup of that coffee and go, I don't know. It's a little stronger. It's a little, it's just this, like everybody loves a coffee. So that's what we most of the time have. Um, but when we have these, you know, we're, we're lucky enough that when we have these specialty coffees come in, uh, we get to be the ones to taste them and, and have that first experience and, and come up with really the profile. How do we want to roast it? What, what flavors do we want to, to, uh, to get from that coffee? And, uh, that's always fun for me as I get to, you know, play with those and, and play with, uh, you know, we have different customers, different wholesale customers that we do, proprietary blends for them and to to get a play kind of be this mad coffee scientist of you know what what do they want and what do they like and how can we make it that's just a ball for me opening that location in white lake i guess generally opening a coffee roaster in you know rural sullivan county does did you feel like that presented unique challenges because of this kind of rural area that you were doing it in and yeah. and was there a sense as well on the other side that that doing that here was an asset in any way yeah i think like i said you know we one of our core beliefs or or core desires is to be part of economic development and 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 prosperity in any place we are, any place we've decided to, to open, but really Sullivan County and, and, and White Lake. And, and while it provided uh, some challenges and, and continues to provide some unique challenges for, um, I mean, I think every business right now or, or every uh, hospitality company right now is having uh, hiring issues, having Mm. a difficult time finding finding staff and finding people who want to work, but, you know, they're in the service industry, there's only, you know, it's, and especially being a, a, a small business, we can only pay so much an hour, but, um, you know, so, so we, we really have tried to balance and, and expand how much we're able to pay people by the hour and then also work with, you know, our, our customers are amazing. They, they tip incredibly well and they're very supportive of our, of our staff. But I think opening a specialty coffee company in an area where, 
you know, where everybody was like, Sitco has pretty good coffee. You know, that that's what that's what people would tell us. So we're kind of like, well, you know, how do we take that bar and raise it up for people to have a better experience with coffee and um, kind of be surprised and delighted by what coffee can be and by what a small coffee business can be. So like I said before, you can come in and you can order your flat white or cortado or whatever, whatever the trendiest trendy coffee is of, of the, the day. All of our staff is is trained as, as, you know, they're great baristas, but then there's the meeting people where they are. And one of the best examples of that is we, um, I think our second year that we were over on Kanyanga Lake, uh, we had a, uh, a Hasidic gentleman come in to get a cup of coffee. And, you know, I think, the second that happened, we were like, there's something different here. The fact that he came to our store to get coffee. And the next year when we, when we moved to our White Lake location, I was probably giving rabbi tours three or four times a week, which I <laughs> loved. I'm like, okay, had to told me two years ago, this is what I would be doing. I'd be like, you're out of your mind. But coffee <laughs> in and of itself uh, and its process is naturally kosher. That's it. There's, we do nothing else in that machine. So the rabbis and, and all these organizations, the, the different camps were very curious. And we started getting more and more and more Hasidic gentlemen coming in whether that be on Monday morning when they're driving back to the city, um, you know, on, on Sunday. What, and so we started making sure that in the summer we always have kosher milk and we work with Bethel dairy. So we, we work with that farm and they're the most, that's if you've never had the Bethel dairy uh, milk, it's the most, amazing milk you'll ever have. Mm. Um, and it's, it's organic, it's kosher. And, you know, is it pricey? Yes. But are we giving, are we meeting our customers, our unique customer base where they are? Absolutely. Um, so it's just, that's, that's a unique thing about, about our area is we have people who have so, such drastic backgrounds. We have second homeowners uh, and we have people who have been in our area, raised, working, have been through every challenge our area has had, and they just continue to want to be a part of, of our community. So let's give them jobs. Let's make sure, you know, either they have a job to go to or they have an amazing coffee shop to go hang out in. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing area. What is on the horizon for, for Java Love? Um, as doors continue to open for yes. you and, and Jody and the rest of the team, um, what are you guys looking at next? Uh, that's a great question. First, we, we, we opened our doors uh, to let everybody back in uh, as of last week. And that was is surprisingly emotional 
Really? Yeah. And I don't think just emotional for us, emotional for the customers as well. And somebody told us we should we should video people as they come in for the first <laughs> time after a while, because it's just a really beautiful experience that people are acknowledging the joy of getting to be in a space again. And it's, you know, what we had to do, you know, in, in putting up plexiglass and making sure that our, our team, first off, feels incredibly safe, you know, that, that when they come to work, we want to make sure they feel taken care of and, and they'll stay healthy and our, our customers will stay healthy. You know, opening the doors after a little over a year, um, you know, we continue, we still had pickup and door service and all of that, but, you know, Jody and I talked again and again during the pandemic that it was that sense of community we missed the most. We missed seeing people sitting and talking or just having an exchange with, with a barista because we're that space. We're that space where people come to be seen, be seen by each other and, and just have a good cup of coffee, say hi. Um, so having that again in all of our shops and, and having, we have more seating now inside in, in Bethel than we had before. Um, so we've got both indoor and outdoor areas and we have more space because it's just so exciting to have people back. Are there plans in the works for more locations to open in the coming years? Yeah. Do you think we plan? That makes us sound like we actually have a, a plan. Um, you know what? We are never closed off to anything. You know, mm. right now, uh, you know, like I said, we just reopened Suffern and at the end of 2019. Uh, we don't have any big plans. I think the big plan right now is to get through the summer and enjoy a summer where we can be around people. And then we'll see. I mean, we, we're always thinking of different opportunities, you know, like whether it be different farmers we're working with or different people we're partnering with in, in Sullivan County or in, in Suffern or, or in Montclair. We just, like I said, we, we're going to just keep stepping forward until... I don't know, somebody slams a door in our face and we go, eh, okay, that hurt, that hurt a little. And chances <laughs> are, and chances are we'll probably just keep going. But um, yeah, there's that's, I know that's not an exact answer, but that's we're, okay. we're not, <laughs> not closed off to anything. One of the things I keep thinking about after talking to Christine is how neither she nor Jody really had anything to do with coffee before they started building Java Love. They were both leading successful careers in completely different areas, but they had the courage to go out on a limb with something new and unfamiliar. And now here they are, running one of the premier coffee roasters in the Northeast. I think it's a good reminder that none of our stories are written for us. There's no single inevitable path that we're on in life, 
And that means that when we are presented with an opportunity to try something new or get involved in an unusual project, embracing that change can sometimes result in some pretty exciting stuff. And this reminds me of a fictional short story I read a little while ago, where this couple who has been together for a while and who are fairly set in their routines, they suddenly get this huge book delivered to their doorstep one day. They open it and find that it is a script for them. It is a line-by-line -line playbook of the rest of their lives. And flipping through it, it hits them that this book is not only repetitive and kind of boring, but it is also finite. And that's terrifying. They keep moving through the same motions, and they eventually get old. And at some point, that's that. But they also discover that they have the power to cross out pages and rewrite them and insert new ones. And from that day forward, they make this conscious effort to step out of their comfort zone and to not only embrace change, but sometimes to seek it out, because that is what makes life so fun. And I think that's what I admire about Christine and Jody's story. So next time you hear about a coffee roaster that's going out of business, although I'm sure it won't be Java Love, maybe try giving them a call. You never know what might happen. Thank you so much to Christine Petrick for taking the time to chat this week. And as always, thank you for listening. Close to Home is a production of WJFF Radio Catskill, and we'll be back with another episode next week available on all your favorite podcast apps. But until then, I'm Leif Johansson. I'll see you next time. <laughs>